0: This is Ernesto Licayo, kicker for the Seattle Dragons. Welcome to XFL Extra, the xflboard.com podcast.
1: Ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 35th episode. Since the transfer of the XFL to the new ownership group of Danny Garcia, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Redbird Capital has taken place, the sports world awaits news of when the XFL will return to play. There has been false rumors, which is always frustrating. However... I have been told by reliable sources to expect something soon, and it will be exciting, so we continue to wait patiently. In this episode, you will hear an interview with Ernesto Lacayo, place kicker for the Seattle Dragons. You'll hear Ernesto talk about his kicking origins through his high school and college careers and a nine-year career that took him through the indoor leagues before he was called in to kick for the Seattle Dragons, just before their first game. Ernesto tells the story of how the Dragons hired him, and what it was like to kick in the Dragons' home opener at Seattle's CenturyLink Field, and tells us how he is positive about the XFL's future. Plus, how did kickers feel about the XFL footballs? You might be surprised. Are you ready? As usual, we won't waste any time. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Ernesto Lacayo to the podcast. Most fans of this podcast know Ernesto as the place kicker for the Seattle Dragons, but many more probably remember him for his stellar career in the indoor leagues. Welcome, Ernesto.
0: Thank you for having me on. Pleasure and honor to be here.
1: Yeah, it's great to be talking to you. And I know you're in sunny Southern California right now, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast.
0: Yeah, definitely. Always loved uh, talking football in general and in XFL. The most exciting thing, you know, we had in this year, and unfortunately, had it had to come to an end. But I'm glad it's coming back.
1: Yeah, it is exciting that it's coming back. I think we'll talk about that too. So let's let's start. Let's go back. Let's go back a few years. You grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in Hayward, California, and you played for the Tennyson High School football team.
0: Yes, yes, the Tennyson High School Lancers. So on the East Bay side and. Uh, uh, definitely, that's where I got everything started.
1: I've read that you've still hold numerous kicking records with them.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was, it was definitely a program that didn't have much of a kicking a history, uh, but you know, I I, I love history. That's what I got my degrees in, and taught a few years. But when I was there, I wanted to be the best at what I wanted to be uh, to do, and, and that was kicking. And so uh, I'm still very honored to have the majority of the kicking, uh, you know, records there. And also, my university. And I'm always excited to hear when someone breaks one of my records because, you know, as we all know, records are meant to be broken. But it was uh, an, an honor to be playing for them. And I also love going back and giving back to them whenever I can.
1: Keeping a connection with them is part of your life right now.
0: Yeah, keeping my connection with them, you know, trying to inspire the kids, you know, to look, you know, past and beyond high school is one thing that I learned that when I was there. Uh, I always ask the question, you know, what professionals came out of tennis in high school? And it was a very limited amount, especially in the football program. So to have continued to play, you know, professionally within the indoor leagues and the XFL all these years and going back, you know, it's always fun and, and exciting to see how these kids, you know, gravitate towards me and have these questions. And I always revert back to them. You know, it's all about having a dream and making sure you have the courage within yourself to make that leap, to make that sacrifice, to get to what you want.
1: Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? After high school, you traveled to the wide open expanses of Nebraska to play your college ball, didn't you?
0: Well, first I went to a community college, the College of San Mateo, where uh, Julian Edelman was my holder uh, when I knew him as a quarterback uh, a long time ago. So once I went to the College of San Mateo, played two years there, and you know, I was a blessed enough to have a full-ride scholarship to Hastings College in Nebraska, which to me is one of the, the, the greatest times of my career. Uh, I enjoyed every second about the Midwest. I learned so much about you know this beautiful country and uh, and just going to Nebraska and learning that you know
1: God's football and country was were,
0: were the three most important things there that's it was exciting. I miss every second of it.
1: And you still hold many kicking records for the Hastings College Broncos, don't you? I do. Uh,
0: kicking, punting, and the kickoffs. Uh, one of my records is tied with one of my students, actually. When I was coaching there, he uh, tied my long field goal uh, 53 yards. And so him and I share that record. And then the rest of them, uh, I would like for them to be broken. But, you know, as long as they're not broken, I get a chance to hopefully land a spot in our school's Hall of Fame. But, yeah, I still have the majority of them there. So we'll see what happens.
1: Well, that's a special time when a student actually does as good as the teacher.
0: Definitely, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I never had many coaches growing up and, and anything that I learned, you know, I always tell guys when we're older, you know, it, it does no good for to hold all the knowledge that we have, you know, learned and accumulated throughout our years. So whatever we're able to give back to students and, and our peers and everything is great because we, we always want to be making sure we're all in the same boat and performing at a high level. And just to get the best out of a student is, is, is very rewarding. And it's when someone, you know, shares your record with you. I mean, that's, that's just fun.
1: Definitely a special moment. It shows the success in the student and the success in the coach. And it's, you can share that. Now, after college, you went undrafted in the 2011 NFL draft, but you went on a nine-year career with indoor football leagues after that.
0: That that was uh, something that was not planned. But I knew, I understood that I went to an NEI school and, you know, I always tell guys the three guys that all worked out together in that same draft was Alex Henry from Nebraska, Greg Zerline. Uh, Greg Zerline's wife was the, was uh, the goalie, the women's soccer goalie at our school, right. and he used to train with us too. So we all of us trained together from you know from that time. And who would have known that you know Greg Zerline and I would still be playing? Um, but I understood that since I went undrafted, I was told to go these ranks of the indoor league or slash arena. And I didn't really know know really much about arena. I mean, for what I understood when I was in high school watching the Sabercats. And, you know, I was like in the deer in the headlights my first time adjusting because the average lifetime span, and I learned quickly for arena kicker, is actually three games. And that's because of the adjustment that one has to make with their swing and their swing thoughts uh, from the outdoor to the indoor. And a lot of kickers, you know, we don't like to miss. And, you know, unfortunately in arena, most of the time, you're gonna ha- you're gonna miss kicks because of the fact that some arenas and venues are different. So these long field goals, it's not that they're completely missing; is that they're told like an angle punt, and there's no punting. You got to kick out of bounds, and you got to make sure you put ego aside and you do what the coaches want. And so the kick that you do have to make, you make them. The ones that you know you don't have a chance, you want to put your your defense in a good position. You have to, you know, unfortunately kick out of bounds, and it goes against your statistics. So going all these years and then learning that and making sure and getting my ego checked at times and then performing well was something that I started to develop this reputation throughout these years in my first in my early years as being, you know, one of those arena kickers that was very accurate, uh, was very reliable and, uh, another, I'm not sure if it's a good or a bad reputation, but I was known for tackling all throughout my whole career, uh. In, my, in the early parts of my career, I was losing a lot of those battles because I was 160, 170 pounds. Uh, and then I started uh, discovering what more the weight room could provide me. And so I started making sure that when I made these tackles on kickoffs, uh, you know, I was definitely at the 50-50 shot as opposed to a one-sided.
1: I finally put two and two together uh, completely when uh, I saw a video of head coach Jim Zorn of the Seattle Dragons talking about your accuracy that you developed working with the uh, indoor leagues?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the way a sniper thinks about aim small, miss small and, and that's what the name that I gave in the arena is. And developing the reputation um, as being an accurate kicker in the arena definitely helps out when you know the teams are looking. When I worked out for the 49ers, they understood that I was an arena kicker. At the time, I was playing for the Vegas Outlaws in 2015, but they appreciated that. When I worked out for the Chicago Bears, Um, they were like, wow, you're very accurate. We just didn't know that you arena guys can kick off. And, and we're like, no, we can kick off. It's just a matter of everyone thinks because our field's so small that we don't get that opportunity. And just when I got to, you know, Seattle, it was awesome that Jim Zorn, uh, Tony software director, player personnel, you know, they respected my career and understood that when we were at the workout, you know, what a good team will know a good kicker when they see the ball flight. Um, way his body of work, how his routine is. And that's something that you develop in the arena leagues because it's all about routine. It's making sure you have your same swing, the same thing all the time. and Because you got to put that ball through in, inside of a three-yard wide goal post or the size of two uh, doors. And that's what's something that really helps the arena kicker, um, a successful arena kicker, making sure that he keeps on going. Because there's only a, a handful of us that have played more than four years in arena and the rest of them that we've seen guys that we all know that come and go but guys who like Mike vanderjack uh uh rob the late Rob Baronas, um matt bryant they all played arena and they were successful and they made a great career in the nfl
1: you said the average lifespan of a kicker or it was four years of an arena arena league player you played nine years now my uh i have a list of the teams you played for Nebraska Danger uh, in 2012, Louisiana Swashbucklers in 2013, Wichita Wild in 2014, Wichita Force, uh, Las Vegas Outlaws of the AFL in 2015, uh, Portland Steel of the AFL in 2016. Now you you're well known all the way across the uh, arena leagues, aren't you?
0: Yes, uh, and. and- uh, for good, and also the, uh, I've also been on many teams where they've folded. So a lot of times when I enter a new arena team, a lot of the guys who are young or are veterans are like, oh, you're the kicker that, that folds teams. I'm like, I'm not sure if it's me that's folding the teams. But <laughs> I've been on a lot of these teams that have folded over the years. Um, but once these teams are go and, and coaches are looking for a veteran presence, um, they always give me a call and I was always, always reluctant to oh, go always help them out. Uh, a lot of those teams were never successful. The 2014/15, uh, the Wichita Wild/Force, was one of the most successful arena teams I've been on. It was the only championship team I've ever been on. The rest of them, um, I, let's just say I was the leading scorer because our offense were never that strong. So uh, that's they also helped me out in my career because you know they put me on a platform of always kicking all the time and making sure I made those long kicks because uh, I was never fortunate enough to have a lot of short kicks. I've always been uh, having to kick these uh, (laughs) 45-plus kicks in arena. So, you know, I thank God I'm able to put them through.
1: You said an all-arena football, all-arena indoor record of 30 field goals made in the season. Which team was that with? That was with
0: the Wichita Wild. That was actually our championship year. And and it wasn't because our offense was bad or that offense was tremendous. Um, But they understood that, okay, we didn't get it on the fourth down here no matter what distance. They were smart enough to use me. They're like, okay, we can get three points here. Our defense is good. Let's use the three points. Let's get after it. And you know, I would come through and it build my confidence because in arena, you want to get those first few field, field goals out of the way, and then you build that confidence. You understand, okay, from this distance and here and there, you know, you know how to swing the ball because that's another topic. Is the the arena ball and the leather ball, or NFL or XFL ball is completely different. It's a lot more difficult to hit an arena ball.
1: Cause it's composite and to control that as opposed to a leather ball. So all the experience you had at the time when the Seattle Dragons were looking for a kicker in February 2020, just before the season started, did they have their eye on you? Because they brought you in for a workout, right? Well, that story is interesting. I mean, I was working a full-time job uh,
0: here in San Diego, and I was also training and uh, still living out of my uh, VW bus, you know, training full-time. And it was one of those things where I in this in the San Diego area is a hotbed for professional, you know, kickers. So I've come across Nick Folk, Nick Novak, Garrett Hartley, who was the kicker for the Seattle Dragons too. We were all very excited when he got picked up by the Dragons. And I was the day I was going to Texan because he was just posting, you know, he's having a great time in Seattle. Uh, I was going to Texas that same day and I was asking somebody if if uh, they had their number. And apparently, I did have his number on my phone because I got a phone call, and I was like, "It's Gary." I'm like, "That's ironic." So I picked up the phone, and you know, I was like, "Hey, congratulations!" And, he was, and that congratulations went pretty short. He was like, "Look, my brother, I didn't, uh, I didn't pass my physical, but I, hey, I want you. Uh, uh, I put your name in, and I want you to be the guy. There's no one else I respect because you know him and I. We don't talk very much, but we kick alongside and." The thing is, you know, respect for one another as far as competing every single day, you know, goes a long way. And so him, as well as Nick Novak, who was the kicker for the L.A. Wildcats, also heard about the news, also told our strength and conditioning coach, you guys need to get Ernesto the shot. This is your guy. Stop wasting time. And I was very flattered. But with all that being said, you know, you still have to perform at the workout. You still have to go in and do your job because the worst the worst thing you can do is that your, your peers are – you know, showing all this respect and you don't do well. So, you know, I was very honored when they called me and I was never expecting to play in the XFL. I was actually getting ready for the indoor football league season and I had never kicked an XFL ball until the workout day. And I only showed up with my cleats because I didn't expect to get picked. And the two other guys were friends of mine. You know, they had two suitcases and I was like, oh, that makes sense. They might pick one of these younger guys, but I got my cleats and I got a flight back. So... (laughs) we'll see what happens. And I was, I was shocked. I was shocked. But to me, I cheated it like every other, uh, any other day. It's like another day to get better. It's a practice day. It's a glorified day. And if they like what they see, they'll, they'll pick the guy. Uh, but again, I didn't expect them to go my way, even though I had a great workout. I've been on many workouts where I didn't, ex- uh, well, I, I expected to get picked where I didn't. And I was like, huh, you know, a lot of those demoralizing moments, you know, you start learning, you start developing that, a strong will behind you. So, I was very happy, and very blessed when that happened. And uh, but uh, the the head scratcher was, you know, I told uh, t- Tony softly, "So can I go home and get my stuff?" He's like, "No, you got to stay here." And yeah. I'm like, oh, "I left my VW, I left my home, literally my home, <laughs> in the parking lot of the airport." So I was thinking, who can drive stick? And I don't, I didn't know anybody that can drive stick back home. So Coach Zorn, thank God, he's a VW guy. You know, he's like, "Yeah, just." come back tomorrow, go get everything settled. And I'm like, okay, thank God, because I didn't have no clothes. I had nothing, just my cleats. But that's the start of
1: that. You flew home, you got the uh, your 76 Volkswagen Westphalia, and you drove it up to Seattle. No, I wanted to. And, and I wanted to drive it up to Seattle. The thing is, when I flew
0: back, I drove it back to uh, uh, the parking lot area where I was staying at, and I made sure you know it was in, in good hands. But uh, I wanted to drive it up there. Uh, but I didn't have enough time. It would have taken me probably a day and a half <laughs> with the old girl to make it all the way up to Seattle. Uh, but where, especially where we were staying at downtown, uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't bring it because it, there's no parking where we were at. But a lot of the fans who were, uh, who were actually VW fans were actually telling me in the first game in Tampa, against Tampa, uh, they wanted me to join their VW club. So, I, I mean, hopefully for next year it would be awesome to do that. So. <laughs>
1: So not only do you have football fans following you around, you have VW fans that are interested in your career as well. Definitely, I think uh, I think my
0: VW bus is definitely much more famous than I, and will ever forever be iconic. And so it's uh, she has a strong following, and you know they're they're reliable, they're easy to work on, and everyone loves them.
1: Yeah, XFL.com did an article on you and your VW Volkswagen, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did a, a great
0: article and. It's. It's. I'm glad they paid homage to her.
1: Yeah, there's. It's quite. It's quite interesting. If anybody hasn't seen it, they should check it out. It's quite good. Now, it was the years of hard work that you put in through your career, including your college and high school career, of course, that got you to the point where the Seattle Dragons brought you in, right? Right.
0: I mean, uh, I mean, once they were told by uh, by Garrett Harley about who I was. You know, they have to do their research. They have to do all that stuff and see what the experience was. And one thing that after the workout and when it's all assigned, the one thing that I was told is that you have, they were telling me that I had a very long career. It wasn't like for all these nine years, I was just posting, you know, videos of just kicking, of not playing in a game. I had nine years of experience of playing in a game experience. And that's what I tell a lot of young guys who come out of small school, make sure you're playing you're doing something whether it's even semi-pro at least it's game film you have to do something because they'll take they'll take that individual much more seriously than a a person who has not played and for quite some time because putting on a helmet and shoulder pads and playing in a live situation in certain situations of game winning field goals or just an extra point and stuff like that goes a long way as far as developing the mindset of the athlete and being prepared
1: that's good advice good advice for young uh, young players and young kickers i think they they should uh, definitely could learn a lot from your experience now you started with the seattle dragons in the first game of the xfl the very first game of the league in washington on, at audi field against the dc defenders what was that like i mean it was
0: pretty cool to be there because uh you know i had i remember in 2001 when i was in eighth grade uh watching the first xfl And I remember it was the first time I was actually watching football. And then here I am in 2000, you know, 19 or 20 and realizing, okay, I can't believe I'm doing this now. And, you know, for all of us, even the other kicker for the DC, we were talking before the game and he was like, so what are you gonna do for a kickoff? I'm like, well, we're going to hit it the same way we usually do outdoor. We both learned right away. It was nothing like kicking like the outdoor because in the, in the regular, as far as nfl we're all taught as kickoffs you know you want to have great hang time and put the ball deep into the end zone whereas the rules were different in the xfl and that was something that we both learned right away uh because um, well the weather in the spring is a lot more cruel than what i see i see in the fall with the wind and the wind is the the kicker's worst enemy so it's not about we we learn right away. It's not about the hang time. It's all about getting the ball down there to the returner as quickly as possible. Making sure we're placing it, and making sure that hey, you know, we do this. Get the ball down there. They got three seconds. Let our coverage team do the work.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't really about hang time. That's an interesting uh, take on it. So did you really like the XFL kickoff then, or uh, did you uh, think it was a good format for the XFL?
0: I think it was a is great idea i think the fact that they're taking the consideration the safety of the player i mean you saw a lot less injuries on there as far as the kickoff itself i enjoyed it because it played into the role of an arena kicker mm-hmm. in arena kicks we're all you know we're always trying to place the ball in different corner pockets of the end zone even though they're not very far it helps us be able to control the ball making sure we want to do what we want to do and that's something that even within our workout, when our coaches boom, they were seeing, okay, we want the kickoff on the right, the middle on the left. It was very easy for me to be like, okay, I can make this adjustment. And when I did that, they were just surprised at what what I was doing. And then let alone onside kicks was something that really separated me from everybody else because of the fact that we onside kick probably three to four times in a game. So we have much more experience there. But the kickoff was great. The strategy was awesome. And I think it's very beneficial for kickers who are really good at directional kickoffs. It's a home that they can use and something that they'll start showing, you know, not only the athletic side of the the place kicker, but also the creativity that we can bring to the game.
1: Yeah, so directional kicking is important and accuracy is always important. Now, the Dragons lost their first game, but your team won your second game at home at CenturyLink Field. And now what was that like? to uh, play at CenturyLink Field?
0: Well, I always tell people when they ask me this question, the roar of the crowd, the fans of Seattle are something else. It's amazing. Um, Even though we didn't even have the upper deck open for the fans, I remember on the first kickoff, I couldn't hear myself. Because when I take my steps back, I count my steps out loud. I couldn't hear myself count those steps of how loud they were and how echoing. And it was just, <laughs> it wasn't nerve-wracking. It was just chilling to to get that. And that's something that on on my deathbed, I'll remember for the rest of my life and just the fans and how interactive they were. And just to be able to play in hollow ground like that, to be able to play for a legendary coach. Um, even that week we had Steve Largent come and visit us. And that's to me was like eye popping just to see a, another Seattle legend. So, to be playing there was amazing. We, we would love to go back and, you know, I can see why Seattle is known for their football and their fans because they really get behind everything. And they, they were excited. And that, that's the one thing that I remember the
1: most. Yeah. The fans of Seattle really embraced the dragons, didn't they?
0: They, they did. Even us walking around downtown or, you know, wherever we were at, you know, it was always Seattle dragons or Seahawks. And, and sure enough, we we, have, we had to win that first game because, you know, we want to get her behind us. But even with that, everyone was just excited for football because they want football, not only in the fall. They want football to continue in the spring. And, and that's what we brought to them. And no, no matter where we went, people were excited. They were wanting to get to know us on a personal level. And I think that's what the XFL did that the NFL doesn't, is that they allow the fans in. And for us as players, we enjoy the communication and the interactions with the fans. That that's what the league provided for us.
1: Seattle really did a good job engaging the fans before the kick the kickoff of the first game and during the games. They they really tried hard, and it showed in their success, didn't it?
0: Right, right, and and, and they the organization itself. I didn't really under uh, know much about the other organizations. But when I got to Seattle, I was thinking to myself as I'm walking around or day-to-day uh, the operation of what's going on, it was so well-ran and it was very close to what the NFL, you know, for guys who have never even got a chance to be in an NFL building, I would say that Seattle provided that platform that was the exact same thing as far as the professionalism uh, from all the staff, from the social media to the day-to-day, you know, uh, it's just everything, even the coaches, everything itself. So, I mean, I can appreciate that because I come from the arena leagues where, you know, unfortunately some some organizations are not very more uh, very not organized as opposed to others. So I've seen it all, and to see what the XFL is, was, and will be again, it, it was just top notch.
1: Yeah, and Seattle's a cool city too. Did you get to go down to Pike Place Market and smell the fish? You
0: know, that's the thing. Everyone's always asking me throughout my career, like, hey, have you been to these places or visited? And, and unfortunately, throughout my nine-year career, and even in Seattle, I, I'm a man of routine. I literally go, uh, I make sure I go everywhere within a triangle as far as practice, to the weightlifting, to a certain place I like to go eat. And I and it's all routine because anything that strays me off my routine, since there's methods of the madness for me when it comes to that. And unfortunately I didn't get a chance to go visit these places. And, and in fact, even the space needle, I'm looking at the space needle every single day from yes. my practice. Yeah. Like, it's, it's right there, right? It's right there. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. It's out of my routine. So that that's the thing. And I'm sure other guys experience, you know, great parts of Seattle. But unfortunately when it comes to me, uh, when, it, when I'm playing, I don't like to be distracted. I like to do my things, make sure I get in, do my work, making sure, uh, my communication with my teammates and getting to know them is more important for me. Maybe at the end of my career, I would like to visit these places that I didn't get a chance
1: to so it's all business for you then uh, when you were in the in Seattle for the the short season, maybe you'll get a chance to go back there. I'm just saying maybe uh, that's all I'm saying. The XFL had a model for the love of football, and they even painted it on the field and put it in the stadium. Now, what does that mean to you?
0: Well, from an individual who's played you know in the lower leagues and everything, it's all about the love of football Uh, for guys who I've seen playing in arena to even guys who I've seen to go play that I know I play semi-pro the love of football is what really drives the athlete and individual to strive and to dream to what they want to do and to continue chasing that dream and for me having the love of football throughout these nine years has led me to continuing fighting having the courage and the heart to continue because it's not an easy road and a lot of individuals uh, from my level of, of the college of the NIA division, you know, they don't last very long. They, they lose that drive. And to be able to continue that, I mean, that, when I saw that hashtag or, or what they were using as for what the, the phrase of the logo was, I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't be any better than what they were what using because it's true for us guys who are not in the NFL. In order to continue, you have to have love for the game. And that's what keeps you going.
1: Yeah, they really nailed it with uh, for the love of football, and it's they're still uh, using it. Uh, uh, I see the new owners are using that in their in their social media posts, so it's exciting that they're going to continue on with that. Now, it was a big surprise when the season suddenly ended, wasn't it?
0: It was uh, it was shocking because you know for a lot of us, you know, we were kind of uh, not aware of what was going on. Like every week, it was something different, and we started noticing in Seattle. Every week, it was getting quieter downtown, and and by week five, it looked like a movie. It looked like a, an I Am Legend movie from Will Smith. You know, it was very quiet, very eerie, and we were we were getting ready to play. I believe it was doubt no New York at home without fans. So we were under the impression, okay, hey, we can deal with this. It's gonna be like a glorified practice. And then a couple hours later, they, they told us, you guys got to go home. And sure enough, it was also sudden. And for a lot of guys, you know, we, we trained so hard uh, all year round and, and,
1: you know, beat up our
0: bodies that to shut that down for a lot of guys, their dreams were shut down for a second. But as time went on in the offseason, we started hearing rumors here and there. And then I remember when the chapter 11 came out, I was like, chapter 11, wait a minute. I remember that in class, that reorganization. So it wasn't a chapter nine. So that gave us hope. And for everything to end so suddenly, just like the fans too, they were, they were excited. And just for us, the team, the, the, players, you know, it was sad, but at the same time, you know, it's just another, another bump on the road for a lot of guys journeys. but to hear it come back and hopefully we all return to our respective teams for those who still are playing or are not retired or are not in the NFL. I mean, we'd be, we'd be more than happy, I'm sure. And to be able to come back or, uh, not sure what they're using now, either XFL 3.0 or XFL 2.1. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I don't think there's been an official designation of the type of XFL yeah, it exactly. is. I think a lot of people are using XFL 3.0, but yeah, I, I wonder about that. You know, I think that it'll depend on how it comes back and whether uh, maybe it'll just be a continuation of XFL 2.0 and then uh, with a, a pause, a COVID pause. I don't. I wonder about that. But you're... In using your crystal ball prediction that every kicker has, of course, do you think the XFL will definitely come back? Uh, I believe
0: so. I think uh, everything that I've seen and the effort that's been done by not only our new owners, um, but everyone as far as the I think it's important that the fans are are really appreciating all this because it's those fans or analysts too who are on their YouTubes or newspapers or their blogs you guys all make a difference as far as bringing more momentum to the league. And I think that how the sports world is playing out right now, uh, even today, I think it sets up perfectly for what's going to happen for 2021. I think things, if if a bubble has to be done, great. If not, we would love to have the fans back in because this all depends on the protocols of what the country is going through with the pandemic. But I believe that the XFL will come back in 2021 and it's just a matter of how they want to go about it. But the thing that I, I, us players are talking about is that, okay, what's next? I think that the fact that there's new owners, great. You, you secure the TV deals and you bring back everyone on their respective teams who you can bring back, who's still available, even the coaches. I think it's an easier way to go about it. And then you fill in the spots, you fill in the spots that you need to, because if you want to get things rolling within the next six months, I think that's the way to go. And that's, to me, I feel like what's going to happen.
1: It strikes me as a no-brainer, right? It seems like the right. uh, an obvious option.
0: It's obvious, and it feels like the momentum will be there even more than what it was when we started the XFL this year, is that everyone's going to be hungry for the for the XFL to be went on in 2021. I mean, a lot of people are being sport-deprived. Even though you have sports coming back here little by little, It also, I think, depends on how the NFL handles things this fall. Uh, We'll also lead up to what the XFL, how we will be looked upon in 2021. But I know that the players, everyone's still working, working hard at what they're doing because the guys are trying to get into the NFL. And I think things will be even better this time around.
1: Yeah, I, I like your optimism. I think a lot of fans also feel that optimism as well. So they would appreciate hearing that from you. Now uh, the new owners are the Rock and his producer, Danny Garcia have talked about the league becoming a twenty four seven year round production, and we we imagine something like a Hard Knocks type television program attached to the league. What do you think of that? I mean, I think it'd be interesting.
0: It'd bring more uh, more popularity to XFL and. I mean, I think the hard knocks, they do a great production when it comes to the NFL, and then the, if they do a whole year round, I think they'll get a chance to even look in more depth to the player and, and the more of their private lives or guys' struggles, you know, uh, you know the sacrifices that guys have to make in order to play in the XFL, and I think it would be great to go in debt in some of these, uh, with these teams and everything. So I think they're doing – they have all the – all the momentum there to do everything the way they want to. And I think the XFL will be its own his own very powerful entity within the future. And I think it's great because uh, the the kids of the future need something like that. As far as the football players and the athletes, they need things like that to continue to, and making sure they, they inspire only just to the NFL, but there are more opportunities in the XFL.
1: Yeah, there's a chance to inspire young footballers as well. Now, would you let them follow you around in your VW Westphalia with a camera?
0: <laughs> well, oh, man. If, if it's in the off season, I don't mind. If it's during the season, <laughs> it's like, you know, I believe it was, I don't remember which game it was, but you know, someone asked me, would you like to get mic'd up? I'm like, you're not going to get a word from me in the game. They're like, well, we see you talk around. Well, I'm like, but it's not the game. When the game starts, a lot of guys are like, you don't say anything. I'm like, no, very business, uh, no nonsense. Even when, when I make a field goal, everyone's like, you don't get really excited. I'm like, to me, the most important thing is I did my job and I make sure I shake all of my, my uh, teammates' hands before I go back to the sideline because they're the ones that make it possible for me to get it done. But for them to follow me, I think it'd be great for them to follow me in the off season. So that you know they're more, they get more out of me and understand you know the process, but not not during season. I'll give it to other guys.
1: Yeah, you know I'm I'm sort of joking, but maybe maybe I'm actually maybe this isn't a joke. Maybe this is real. Maybe that's something will happen because when it comes to uh, discovering or, or showcasing a journeyman football player who has been everywhere kicking the ball, they might want to focus on someone like you to show the people what it takes to to make it in pro football.
0: Well, I'd be definitely honored because, you know, I I, I enjoy sharing my story to, uh,
1: you know, students as as
0: well as young athletes and also some of the guys who are just leaving uh, their colleges and looking for something to do because, you know, it breaks my heart when I see guys so young with great talent and not following their dreams anymore. And that's something that I, I would instill at a very young age from my grandmothers who, they told me what, if you don't have any dreams, you don't have nothing in this life. And that's what always clicked on me from as a young kid and trying to find out what my dream was. And once I knew what my dream was, I had to do everything possible to make sure to make it, you know, make it happen. And I think, uh, if they, if they need someone for that, I mean, I think I'd be a, a strong candidate because uh, I've been told my career should have been over a long time ago, right out of college or, uh, maybe a few years into arena. Like a, a, a lot of my fellow, uh, uh kickers that I've seen in the past who have retired, but I I never let that, you know, stream me off of what I needed to get done and to making sure that I leave a legacy, not only for the kids of tomorrow, but for my children someday that they would like to, you know, aspire to be something.
1: It's a good idea to inspire young kickers. I think that's a great idea.
0: If one day you'd like to talk about the football, because I know that's something, a topic, a lot of guys like to talk about because the XFL ball. I'm not sure if they're going to stick with the same one or they're going to maybe change it up because uh, I'll tell you what, kicking and punting, uh, uh, even the snappers didn't like the football. It was definitely difficult, Uh, a little bit different uh, feel on the ball.
1: So I haven't heard that about the XFL ball, but from a kicker's or or snapper's point Mm -hmm. of view, uh, was it slippery or was it uh, what was wrong with it? Well, I think what we
0: were looking at it,
1: actually, from the
0: NFL to an XFL ball, the middle of the ball is a lot more smaller in diameter. So, the closest that we saw that ball was like in a college ball, the college ball brand, uh, the GST ball, was very similar and smaller in diameter in the middle. What that affects, especially the punters, the punters were the first one to, to really complain about it. You've had these, all these punters that we had in the XFL were great punters as far as hang time when it comes to the NFL ball. But for some reason, they were not able to get. You know their foot completely on that ball to get that that hang time that they desired, and that was a big a big big you know, like uh, an effect on them. And on field goals, it was a lot harder on the sweet spot on the ball for us to kick to get a good end over end ball, where a lot of the balls that we were kicking were a lot very X-y because of that small sweet spot. For kickoff, it wasn't very difficult because we're on you know it's on a little platform on the tee, so you get all of it in it no matter what. But I feel like that was a difference. I don't. I never remember asking B.J. Daniels, my quarterback, in, in what they felt about the ball. But all of the specialists, every time we played against each other, were like these balls are interesting. So they weren't ever slippery. It's just maybe that smaller in diameter was, was was really affecting. Because we go back here and we're training with NFL balls, we're all just crushing the ball. So that's what it is.
1: It's the size of the ball, the narrowness, uh, relative narrowness of the ball that.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's uh, we're, we're curious to what they're going to do, but if they stick with it, you know, I, I have a couple of uh, XSL balls that I train with every time now, so I'm a lot more used to it than when I got to the Seattle where I only had literally four days to get used to
1: it. So you had to really adapt quite quickly when you started kicking.
0: I did because, uh, I mean, even the workout, there. The, I believe Tony Softly, our director of player personnel, asked me, have you kicked one of these balls? I'm like, no, but he's like, are you going to be okay with this? I'm like, I've been kicking an IFL ball, an indoor football, for nine years. There's nothing worse than that. So it only took me a couple of swings to get a good. Um, but you know, each kick is a little bit different with it, as far as making sure you get a good, good, solid hit on it.
1: Definitely a lot of golf mentalities with it. <laughs> yeah, so that's the advantage you brought with your experience.
0: I feel like that was a big advantage that you know I tell a lot of kids don't don't get married to a certain a material ball or a ball at a practice, make sure you are well-versed in all of them because you need to know that sometimes, uh, especially in high school games or, you know, your ball may not be the same ball you're kicking. Maybe you might have the quarterback's ball, which sometimes a little bit flatter than what the kicking ball needs to be. Um, (laughs) We were lucky enough in the XFL to have our own kicking balls and we were protecting those with our lives, making sure nobody touched them. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I get that. So that's an interesting aspect of the game. Uh, with the XFL mm-hmm. that uh, that I haven't heard of yet, so thanks for providing it. Of course, yeah, working those balls in are a lot of difficult. They're harder to work them in,
0: brand new than they are an NFL ball. That's that's interesting. I w- I might do a little segment on maybe a video or something that I, I can share with you as well uh, about that because I think the public needs to know
1: that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, thanks. That would be cool. Yep, that would be cool. Uh, following you on twitter and i saw recently uh, you posted a video of a of a combine you were at that was a john carney combine i think you said
0: yes yeah, that's uh, john carney's uh nfl pro combine that he hosts every year in, the, in in the fall and it performs a great platform for all the kickers who are free agents all over the country uh, some of the best of the best uh, in the kicking world come out here and perform at the as a kicking punting and long snapping
1: there's actually a cool video, uh, which shows you, uh, uh, kicking. You had a perfect eight for eight field goals and averaged 77 yards on kickoffs in uh, the one video I saw.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's something
1: that I I've done very well at combine and a lot of other of my peers I've done well at combine.
0: Uh, it was just one of those days where I was very locked in and, uh, making sure that each kick, you know, you take one kick at a time and. In my first group, uh, we had some big names as far as Cairo Santos, Matt McCrane from the New York Guardians, uh, Chris Blewett, myself, and John Brown, and that was the first group. So a lot of guys were watching that first group because you know, those were the top dogs, and, and I was able to be the only one that went perfect in that group. And in the day, there was about 40 of us kickers from all over the country, and I believe only two of us were actually perfect. And for me to kick off the way I did at 77 yards, uh, making sure I, almost, I hit the goalposts, and making sure that, A, I'm not just because I'm playing the XFL or just because I was in the arena. Everyone thinks, well, does Ernesto still have the strength on kickoff? I think I'm pretty sure I proved it that day.
1: Yeah, the video is pretty good. Uh, it, shows, it definitely shows that you've got what it takes. Hopefully uh, an NFL team uh, has a good look at that, and uh, they could uh, sign you as a kicker uh, any any day, really, if they needed a kicker, of course, right?
0: Definitely, uh, a lot of our guys. You know, we, we know the protocols as far as you know. Whoever team does call you in, you have to spend two days in the hotel, making sure you're quarantined and taking the exams for the COVID. So you know, we have to be ready. Uh, you're making sure throughout the week you're getting your reps in. You know, you're you're getting you're fine tuning, you know, your craft because it, they could bring you in. Most likely, what seems to be the trend right now is that they're going to call you. They're going to bring you in on. A, they're going to fly you on a Friday. You're going to spend all weekend in a hotel, and then on Monday they're going to work you out. So right now we're seeing a lot of these movements, and within this next week or two you're going to start seeing guys get brought in more and hopefully sign to a uh, practice squad because a lot of us that are kickers or a lot of us are punters, we have to do all three. So I was a punter also in college, and I also punted at that combine. So the NFL scouts have seen that I can punt too because they want to have a combo guy in their practice squad just in case. So it seems to be like that's the trend that every team is, and uh, every NFL team is going for this year.
1: Well, we'll definitely watch for for your name and watch for you to be picked up by an NFL squad. Uh, I think that's exciting for you, and it would it would actually be quite a, a good story for you that you played in all those all the indoor leagues and you played in the XFL, and then maybe you can get some time on an NFL squad. That I think that would be cool.
0: Yeah, it'd be a blessing. Uh, like just playing for the Dragons was already a blessing within itself, and. I mean, it's something that i will always hold dear to my heart for the rest of my life. It was just, uh, it, it was just a blessing. I mean, Seattle was fun.
1: And, and my teammates and the fans, just the fans were awesome. Exactly. It's been great talking with you. Now, people can follow you on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. at LaCayo 89 or on Instagram mm-hmm. at Lacayo 89, right?
0: Correct. Those are the two places I'll be active. Uh, my Instagram is very active, and me and getting new to the Twitter game, I'm sure I'll be able to communicate with everybody and always enjoy talking to fans, uh, individuals like yourself, as far as you know, just talking to XFL and just football. I enjoy it all the time.
1: Your Twitter account's quite new, right? It's very new.
0: Uh, it, I remember uh, years ago, I, I think in 2013, wasn't very active, and, and just recently uh, – you know, social media strategist told me, hey, you should probably open up a Twitter account and start using that again. So I'm like, okay, we'll i a little behind, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start sharing more content on there.
1: Yeah. So, in fact, there's an opportunity for people to just go out and follow Ernesto Lacayo right now on Twitter and get his account some followers and uh, build them up a little bit. I think that would be great. That'd be fun. Well, thanks, Ernesto. I wish you all the best and uh, uh, stay safe and stay healthy. And I know fans everywhere hope to see you on a football field real soon.
0: Well, thanks for having me on. It was an honor and always fun to talk with you and everything. So you know, take care. You know, God bless and and hopefully we get hear more XFL.
1: Yeah, definitely looking for more XFL. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to my guest, Ernesto Lacayo. Don't forget to give Ernesto a follow on Twitter and help build his new account with followers. I wish everyone and their families good health and well-being. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You're welcome to come back next time, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra the xflboard.com podcast.